Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Our world is moving at an incredible pace. The need for reinvention is constant, especially want to be heard about the noise of it all. My name is Rosemary Barnes, presentation coach, voice actor, and expert in teaching you how to be heard. Great speakers must not only be proficient within their genre or industry, but must also understand how to get and keep the attention of their audiences. Please join us as we discuss the best ways to create and deliver excellent presentations. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're here again with uh, Rosemary Barnes, Executive Presentation Academy. And Rosemary is the presentation guru, this the speaker's uh, champion. And as it turns out, she is also the champion of presenting excellent service to the audience so that we gain control of the audience and gain what we what everyone needs to have out of the entire presentation. So uh, today's is uh, use of space and we're going to discuss how to use the, the, the proper lighting, the proper sound and other things that are going to exist within that space so that we give our audience the excellence that they deserve. Okay, welcome back again, um, Rosemary, and use of space. Hi, Michael. Yes, the use of space. Uh, again, one of those things for which the presenter is ultimately responsible. In order to be heard and understood, we have to be seen. Even if we don't think they do, everyone reads lips. If we can't hear properly, then we look for additional cues from the face or from the body. If we can't be seen, we can't be heard. If we can't be heard, people complain that the lights are too low. Let's start by defining and giving ourselves a, uh, a working vocabulary. We're going to call, just for ease of vocabulary, we're going to call the presentation space whether it's in your office, in a boardroom, uh, over a cup of coffee, we're going to call the space the stage. Don't get all upset about it. It's just what we're going to call it. The, the stage has upstage, downstage, stage left, and stage right. All The stage left and right are always from the presenter's point of view, because frankly, the audience doesn't care what you call the stage. The presenter does. So stage right is the presenter's right when they're speaking to the audience. 
Stage left is the presenter's left when they're speaking to the audience. Upstage is the space behind you, the farthest away from the audience. And downstage is the spot, is the pot, spot oh my goodness, rendered lips, is the spot closest to the audience. Now, if you want to remember that, remember this. In the olden days of the bards and the minstrels sharing the news of the day or putting on traveling shows, their, their stage was a wagon pulled by a horse or a mule or even the, the, the performers themselves. When it was unhitched from the motor, the horse, the mule, mm-hmm. the front of the stage naturally came down. Therefore, it was called downstage. It had a couple of advantages in that, that because the stage was slanted, with downstage being the front, that meant the performers on the back could still be seen. In a lot of respects, I tell, I tell people this, and you may agree or, or not, but um, giving a presentation is a dance. And that dance you're performing for, there are some things that are for your benefit and for your enjoyment, yes. But most of it is, this in this particular dance, is for for the audience so that they get the most benefit out of it and they receive. Here's the point. We have to, as speakers, as presenters, as I say, whether it's across the desk in your office, whether it's in a boardroom, whether it's in a convention center, whether it is over a table uh, filled with lunch, if if you are presenting, the only thing that matters is how well you can engage the other person. Therefore, everything you do must be directed that way. For example, let's talk about movement just for a second, because it's one of my <clears throat> one of the things that, that I find most amazing. We've seen a tremendous number of speakers that wander side to side in their presentation space, almost as if they're trying to get their 10,000 steps in while they're speaking to their audience. They go from side to side, and sometimes it's because they want to look casual. Sometimes it's because they think it makes them look confident. Sometimes it's because they mistakenly believe that that's how they fill their space. Presence is what fills the space, not your feet. What happens when you, if, if, if the speaker is on one side of the presentation space and very close to that side of the audience, the audience feels seen, the audience feels special, the audience feels important. But what happens then when the speaker walks over to the far side? Now those same audience members feel like yesterday's breakfast, or less than important, and no one likes to feel less than. Mm-hmm. Now, he's transferred, the speaker has transferred the attention from one side to the other, and so now the other side feels important and special and all those good things. But this boing, 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 boomerang speaking means that every time the audience has become disengaged because the speaker has gone elsewhere, now the speaker has to work twice as hard to get them back. Don't give him the opportunity in the first place. Fill the space with your presence, not your feet. 
because that's for the audience's benefit. Wandering side to side is not. It doesn't build greater connections. It builds stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. If you are sitting in an audience and the presenter favors stage right and you're on stage left, that gives you an opportunity to check out, to check your mail, to have a partner, a conversation with your elbow partner. This is not for audience benefit. This is not focusing on the audience. And if it is, it's sadly misplaced. The other thing that comes to mind is the language that we use. Everyone speaks differently. Yes, we all have our own tonalities and we all have our own mannerisms of speech and the like of that. It doesn't matter if you normally, in conversation with you in your own home, say woulda, coulda, shoulda. When you are on stage, enunciation is so important. You see, we all lip read. Whether we think we do or not, we all lip read. And when we can't hear, we go to the face and the body for extra clues. Why force our audience to work that hard? Say your words with energy. Our society has become increasingly more casual. That's fine. That's great. I mean, really... Think about Victorian England with women in bustles and whalebone corsets and men with top hats and spats. We don't dress like that anymore. Now we've got baseball caps and sneakers uh, or no hat at all. And formal three-piece suits have at least given way to more casual blazers. Now, suit and jackets notwithstanding, we still wear them, but it is not as formal as it used to be. Unfortunately, our language has become equally casual. Using as a speaker, when you're on stage and you use things like, yep, instead of yes. When we speak with, ah, instead of I don't know. It causes aspersions to be placed on our content. It makes us seem not quite as credible simply by the way we pronounce our words. The problem is not usually at the beginning of words. It's the endings that we tend to drop off. Yeah, we tend to trail them off or or not complete or something like that. When you did the shoulda, coulda, woulda, is like you kept leaving off the end of the word. Right. Now, I, I know that the, the, some speakers, they, they, they say, oh, well, I want to make sure that, that they feel like I am one of them. Mm-hmm. There are better ways to make them feel like they're one of them than by augmenting your language in a way that you may be mis- misunderstood. Right? Don't misunderstand me. It is the speaker's responsibility to speak in the language that the audience can understand. Always remain one step more formal than the audience. Right. If you, if you want to remain credible, yes, you want to be one of the guys. Yes, you want to be on par and on evil, even keel with everyone in the audience. But by virtue of the fact that you are up on the presentation space addressing people, that makes you just one step more responsible for them getting the message. And if we do not pronounce our words clearly, distinctly, and 
properly, we cannot guarantee that they are getting the message. Similarly, at least in Canada, we tend to check for understanding by raising our pitch at the end of sentences. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I was at the store and I found these great pair of shoes. Well, did you or didn't you? You can get away with that in casual conversation. But as a speaker, it gnaws away at your credibility. Now, what we're doing is asking without asking, do you understand? Are you following with me? Got me so far. But as a speaker, it makes us sound a little bit like a flippity gibbet. Do you know or don't you know? Mm-hmm. Were you there or weren't you there? It's a li- we find it a little bit in the northern United States, but much further south than that. And it's simply not done. I think it's because we're so terribly polite in Canada that we want to make sure everyone is following us. I don't know. I'm making that up. The point is, do not raise, raise the intonation at the end of your sentences unless you are truly, excuse me, truly asking a question. It just makes you seem insecure and somewhat less than confident. Absolutely. Of course, uh, our friends in in the in the U.S. Um, who also may may be listening, um, they um, we have to be careful of our colloquialisms because colloquialisms do not transfer universally. Absolutely. The same way as people in Boston do not. We all have accents. We all oh, absolutely. Do. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. The trick is to make sure your audience can understand you. So when we think of, unless you're a classical music singer or a trained actor, where there are definite ways to pronounce vowels, vowels are, vowels are what create the accent. And for the most part, as long as we're consistent, we can get away with what we're doing. What we can't do is make it so casual and so uh, ignored that the audience doesn't get our meaning clearly. The point that I make is that speakers have to be aware of all of the intricacies of language. The same way as you cannot use accounting abbreviations if you're talking to a group of automotive people. They will not understand the language. And once we're using the language that we understand, the rule is to remain one step more formal than the audience's average. Right. There, that is one one of the a big. It is a really big issue. Jargon, mm. and um, we think that everybody knows our jargon. And no, you take a step, just one step outside of your industry and you will find out that it doesn't doesn't work um i was trying to explain to somebody when i was working as a analytical chemist what i actually did for a living and they they said they looked at me dumbfounded and i will tell you exactly what i said to them to explain what I did at first using jargon, I said I run an ICPMS to test down to the part quadrillion for trace metals. And I would have said, "Are you from Mars?" 
Exactly. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So everybody who who exists within within the the analysis industry they understand exactly what i said but mm -hmm. for those who are not in there i have to explain it a little bit differently in saying that well i use a mass spectrometer like in like they do in csi mm -hmm. and i do trace analysis like they like they when they take the evidence they say oh we're going to send this to trace analysis i'm that person who would receive the evidence and do the trace analysis and then right. i test down to a very 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 small portion to for dirt and that's what and, i mean when i say we have to speak the language that the listeners mm -hmm. understand we cannot use anachronisms and abbreviations that they don't understand, even though they flip off our tongue just as naturally as anything, it doesn't matter how comfortable the speaker is. It only matters whether the audience can understand. And that's what I mean by audience focus. It's not just words either. It's emotions. If we come out as a speaker and we have an ax to grind or we are going to get up on a soapbox about something that irritates the bejeepers out of us and our emotions are running very high, we risk two things. First of all, we risk the audience feeling unsafe emotionally if they're not coming along with us, or we risk alienating them to the point where they walk out. Absolutely. A speaker's emotion, our job is to elicit emotions from the audience, not shove them at them and throw them down the throat. A speaker must consider how the listener will respond, anticipate it, and then approach subjects so that the response can be positive and, but not crazy so that there, we can express negativity without endangering the emotional safety of the audience. A speaker's job is to keep the audience emotionally safe. That's not to say that we don't activate emotion. We absolutely must. All our decisions, whether we are left-brained, logical, linear, or right-brained, gut instinct, and emotion-based, all of us make decisions first emotionally and then if you're left-brained that kicks in and finds evidence to support it but we all make decisions through gut through emotion if we do not engage the audience properly we cannot elicit emotions and if we cannot elicit emotions we cannot engage them properly it's a whole circle it's all about considering how what you're saying will be received and understood. And that's a speaker's responsibility. Yeah. So some of the, the biggest speakers out there, they, they have it down to a science of how they use their movement on the stage, mm -hmm. their, their hand gestures, their eyes. Absolutely. And, the, the whole thing, how they how they will move their head, the whole bit, to a point that now I now I have control over what I want you to feel. 
one of the one of a speaker's best tools is to activate the five senses in the audience, not in oh, themselves. Yes. In the audience. Sight, sound, touch, taste, and the most powerful one of all is smell. And yet speakers often forget to access that very strong emotion point. If I say to you, um, we were at grandma's house and she baked cinnamon buns. Yeah. Okay. But what if I say we went to grandma's house and the smell of those fresh baked cinnamon buns came wafting out to greet us. All of a sudden we're all smelling cinnamon buns. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the smell of cinnamon buns is, is, well, it could be negative to some people, but for the most part, it's a, a pleasant emotion that you're now experiencing. But you're absolutely right. Eye contact is one of the best ways to ensure engagement. It's tricky. Staring at someone for more than three seconds makes them uncomfortable and pull back. But a glancing look, you may as well not bother. Even the amount of time that you look your audience members in the eye must be calculated for the benefit of their understanding, not for what makes the speaker feel dandy. Absolutely. And I've, I've been in audiences where I've watched the, the speaker. It's like he looks just enough. To, to activate an emotion in you and then looks away. It's a tricky thing too. Have you ever noticed speakers that seem to always be favoring one side of the audience over the other? Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, do you want to know why? It's because there's an active face in the audience over there that is giving the speaker feedback. Oh yes, definitely. So if you want a speaker to look at you, Tell your face to respond to what the speaker is saying. And the speaker will pay more attention to you than to anyone else in the audience. To the point where the other people might feel ignored. So we do have to guard against that. Every person in the room paid the same fee to get in or has the same amount at stake needs to learn from what you're saying, we have to pay equal attention, even if the faces in the audience are not compelling us to look their way. That's what I mean by audience focus. Audience focus also depends on, uh, also relies very much on our intention. Are we speaking to this group to inspire, to motivate? Those are not the same things. Are we speaking to sell? Are we speaking to persuade? Are we speaking to what to educate? Are we speaking to simply inform? That all affects the, how we speak to the audience. If we don't have our intention clear of what we want the audience to feel like when they leave, what we want them to do before they leave, then our intention will waffle and we'll go off on tangents and remembering that time is never a speaker's friend and that it is the law of professional speakers that says thou shalt not go over time ever. If you oh. keep your intention clear, that's much easier to do. And the intention is not about for what you want to say, 
but instead, how do you want the audience to feel? What information do you want them to have internalized and what you want them to do? That's focused on them. Then you can find a way of getting it all uh, uh, straight out, forward, and, and, and going directly into their hearts and minds. Well, do you have any uh, specific steps that we can share with with the audience now, and then we're, we're, we'll tell them how to find it, find the whole class overall? Absolutely, I do. Of course, I do. A speaker is only judged to be as effective as the least engaged audience member takes out with them. To that end, you design, before you begin to create a presentation, the first thing that you have to do is define your audience. Who are you speaking to? Then your intention is to solve their top of mind problem, not your own, theirs. Once you have solved their top of mind problem and what is your intention, then you begin to create the presentation. Then you have to know the demographics of your audience. Are they men? Are they women? Are they mixed? Are they uh, senior business people? Are they uh, in transition? Are they, what is the demographic of the audience? That dictates your seating arrangement. Even that counts as audience focus. If you are speaking in the round, then you have to make sure that you're focused on the audience all the way around you, the most difficult way to do it. Audience focus means you never, ever, until you die and maybe later, turn your back on your listeners. Not to check your computer, not to check. Have you ever seen speakers that turn around and talk to their projection screen? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, you just lost everybody. You just lost everyone. When the audience is the focus of your intention, you have to know what they need, who they are, and what you want them to take away. Then you begin creating the presentation. You use enhancements, slideshows, movement, voice work, all of those other things to help you reach that intention. Please know that for an audience to benefit, the attention is should not be on your slideshow. It's become so common for speakers to focus on that slideshow, mostly to keep themselves on track and give themselves cues and hints as to what's coming next. They actually create the presentation after they've created the slides. Pictures and images are powerful, but need to be used only to enhance the presenter's message, not the other way around. For an audience focus, you need to know that your presentation must be able to stand on its own merits, even if the electricity goes out. Even if technology does what it likes to do and misbehave at terribly inappropriate times, you are the presentation for their benefit, not your own. 
that is a, an extremely important point that I think most speakers forget. Of course we forget because we are all a little bit solipsistic. Newborn babies are completely solipsistic. They know they are the center of the universe. All other bodies floating around in the ozone are there only for their benefit and circle around their heads. Speakers are, can be very nervous. Public speaking is a tremendous fear and there's good reason for it. All the attention is on the speaker. So the speaker needs to turn that around and say, but my attention is on the audience and give it back to them. Absolutely. Very good point. So you, the, there is the executive presentation course and how do people find the executive presentation academy the executive presentation academy is launching in january uh it is so close to completion i'm salivating the the it is uh virtual training because not everyone has uh time money etc for one-on-one training the, the course that I've created is divided into two parts, the Essentials Program and the Leadership Program. The Essentials Program covers all of this, everything from uh, your intention to audience focus to how you organize your content, all the way through to room control and when to give people breaks and whether to feed them or not and all of that sort of thing. Uh, if you feed them, they will come. And so will the noise and the mess. So, you know, all that kind of thing yeah. is covered in the essentials program. The leadership program is for people that must speak to lead. Uh, and that program covers everything from being authentic and representing yourself all the way to speaking across the generations, internal communication, external communication, communication through disruption. Those two programs can be taken uh, it can be registered for at different times, or there's a price saving for doing both at the same time. Uh, it is it, it is videos, and it comes complete with uh, biweekly virtual calls on Zoom, where we answer questions, where we mastermind together to solve individual problems, to form a community. And there's also the monthly newsletter, which, in, with permission, individuals taking the course are uh, received for free. It's called Communication Gold. And uh, with permission, it will just arrive with all the new, the, the highlights of the, <laughs> the highlights of the real, as it were, and new things that come up and questions answered, the like that. To get a hold of me, all you need to do is, uh, the website is currently adding that little bit. So, Best way is to contact R Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, at confidentstages.com, or just call me at 250-661-0994, and I'm here to be of service to you, not to me. And thank you very much, and... um Come back for all of our listeners. Come back for the next um, episode and the next topic, which would be room control. 
So we'll see you shortly for the next episode. And thank you for listening today. Bye for now. Work with the sound guy ahead of time. You're going to be that much further ahead when the audience actually fills the room. Presenting is uh, not for the weak need. It is not for the, the weak of heart. Presenting in public is more feared than death itself in a lot of cases. The more that we can do to assure ourselves that we are using the space properly, the more confidence we feel. Confidence doesn't come from continued success. Confidence comes in the form of knowing that we have whatever tools we need to navigate through whatever difficulties we come up with that are thrown at us and still come out shining at the end. Confident comes, confidence comes through navigating through trouble and coming out right at the end. If we, and we do have to present in spaces that are not perfect, but imagine the confidence builders when we manage to pull off a presentation in a less than optimal space and still engage our audience. Consider these as opportunities to build confidence, not as panic buttons to press. That comes with a, with, with, with a story, and this actually happened to me, that we were doing a presentation in a pub, now, the pub didn't have any overhead lights in it. This was for a business group. Mm-hmm. A, um, it was actually a ladies' business group, as a matter of fact. And the pub had no overhead lights. And the sound system the night I was supposed to speak didn't work. The The tech options that were supposed to hook up to my, to my computer so that I could use my wonderful slideshow didn't work and I found myself standing up on the stage it's like no tech at all and I had to actually use that space between my ears (laughs) use of space (laughs) use of space the the really the I think the most difficult thing of the of the entire night was that um was being seen mm-hmm. because there was no there were no lights to shine on me right and actually making sure sure that I always stood someplace where people could actually see me it's a very difficult thing isn't it mm-hmm. to make the most of a bad situation and still come out smelling like roses at the end yes and it's all the speaker's responsibility. It is not up to the, the, the pre-planned venue to all of a sudden renovate the space because you're coming in to speak. It's up to the speaker to make the best of it. Right. To do that, you need a full toolkit of techniques. You have to know how to project your voice to be heard in the corners. You have to know how your body language is going to be seen as it relates to your words. You have to know that that people will complain they can't hear you if they can't see you. You, It's up to the speaker to make it work the best you can. And when we get into wonderful spaces, we, we give grateful thanks to whoever is listening and appreciate all that we have. 
give wonderful thanks to to everyone to help make you look good mm -hmm. and all, for all those who paid attention while you were in front of them that's right yes so with that being said do you have like a grocery list of things to help people make optimal use of that space the first thing that you have to do is if you're uncomfortable hide it put it away people will not listen to a presenter that is quaking because something has thrown them it makes engaging them much more difficult it makes the like no trust respect relationship tougher to start regardless of the circumstance go up there with the confidence that you are doing the best that you can if people complain you take it on your own shoulders i'm sorry you couldn't hear i'm sorry you couldn't we'll we'll try to do better next whatever it is you have to say do not blame anybody never play the blame game whatever is thrown at you you accept i will look into that make sure that if you have the option you stand as far away from the main door as possible you make sure that you find your light it is the brightest spot where you <laughs> you think you're going to go blind make sure that your sound system is adequate for the room so that you can be heard without shouting without whispering if that doesn't work then you have to know how to use your body and take advantage of voice training to be able to fill the room for you watch your enunciation if the lighting is bad the the worse the lighting is the more you must rely on your excellent enunciation skills because we're not able to pick up on the other the other points of reference if we can't see you smiling we'll have to pick it up from your tone of voice we'll have to understand each words each word by the way you pronounce it in inadequate space means you have to up your speaking skills to match the inadequacy to counteract the inadequacy of the space in that case you have to be very well trained as a speaker get some training in vocal control get some training in understanding space and how it works for a speaker or works against a speaker experience is a very good teacher but if you don't know the options available to you you can't use that experience in the future check out the space beforehand never walk into a presentation space never having seen it before it's up to you to be familiar with what's going to fix you when you leave the space leave a sparkle of stardust behind you enter proud not arrogant leave proud not arrogant be accessible and do the best that you can to always supply the most value possible to your listeners thank you for all that that's wonderful advice and for everybody listening please 
um, you can find Rose, Rosemary um, th- with the Executive Presentation Academy, where she has more courses, and it, she really goes into depth about everything that we just talked about today. So I want you to email Rosemary at rbarnes at confidencestages.com, or you can give her a quick phone call. She's always willing to talk to people at the following phone number, Rosemary. 250-661-0994. I am at your service and willing to be helping you. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Rosemary. It's been wonderful. All right. Please subscribe to Executive Presentation Academy. To connect with Rosemary directly, go to confidencestages.com and click the contact button. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.